queen and we will rock you which will open up this sports buzz podcast episode as yours truly kevin wolf comes back to the microphone to give you thought-provoking hard-hitting passionate sports talk that you won't find anywhere else As the summer slowly starts to wind down, as kids get ready to go back to school, and if you're a baseball fan, the Mets have lost the first two against the Braves. They rallied back last night to win 9-7, so the idea that the Met fan has to panic is a little chaotic right now, as the Mets are doing everything they can to prove that they're going to be one of the best in the National League. And with the Walker Bueller injury a few days back with the L.A. Dodgers, you can go in to the postseason knowing that the Mets may have a clear advantage now to get to a World Series in 2022. If you're the Yankees, you're a little more concerned. Your bats haven't woken up. Your pitching's been inconsistent. Your bullpen's been a little erratic. The pesky Raves have proven to be pesky yet again against the New York Yankees. And the Yankees get ready to face the Blue Jays in a four-game set this weekend at the stadium beginning tonight with Game 1 with a 9-17 and record since the All-Star break, and that is a worrisome record if you're a Yankee fan. Because if you're a Yankee fan, you've had a pretty good season thus far. Matt Carpenter putting on pinstripes really gave you the exclamation point you needed to ultimately tell the American League that this is your year to go back to a World Series, the first one since 2009. But Carpenter got injured, Judge has had pressure on him to get the big hit, and all of a sudden, the Yankees are showing a little bit of vulnerability and a little bit of weakness as a baseball team right now in the American League. And the Astros are loving every minute of it as the Astros right now are priming themselves for a deep October run with the hopes that they can get home field in the ALCS. And if they have to play the Yankees, that home game, Game 7, at Minute Maid Park, will be very significant as to which team has a better chance of advancing to this year's Fall Classic. Yankees rallied back last night and got a big win against the Rays, a big win that you hope now will garner them some momentum as they get ready to play the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays are fighting for a wild card and postseason positioning also. So they're the third wild card right now at 62-54. and 54. So the Blue Jays are going to come in here and play tough and be a thorn in the Yankees' side. You can count on that. But the Yankees have to hope, have to hope that the momentum they garnered in that big win last night will play over now into this series and get them back to their winning ways as the season starts to trickle down and every game now down the stretch really starts to shape out the future of where your team is going to position themselves for the postseason. If you're a Met fan, you feel comfortable. You were a little 
annoyed with the first two wins by the Braves, but bouncing back and winning last night are really what championship caliber teams do. They find ways to get a key win when they need to, and they were able to do that last night, and Beattie coming up from the minors, getting a two-run homer in Atlanta to really jolt the offense and really gives the Mets that big win that they needed. Now gives the momentum tonight to get a series split, win the fourth game of this series, even the series at two games apiece, and send out their ace, Jacob DeGrom, to seal the deal and get the job done. So if the Mets can garner a win tonight and go five and a half up in the NL East, they will start to feel a little bit more comfortable about their positioning for postseason play. I think when all is said and done, and I've said this in previous podcasts, you're going to see the Mets potentially play the L.A. Dodgers in an NLCS. And now with Walker Bueller out with a season-ending injury, that gives the Mets a huge advantage from a pitching perspective. Because if you have to face DeGrom twice and you have to face Scherzer, those two guys at the top end of that pitching rotation for the Mets is what's going to seal the deal and get you to a World Series, in my opinion. And I get the Dodgers have a great lineup. I get the Dodgers are one of the best offensive teams in the game. But the one thing the Mets have over the Dodgers is pitching. And the one thing the Dodgers have over the Mets right now is home field, because if they were to meet up in an NLCS, the Dodgers would get the extra home game, which could be an advantage for them in the postseason. So if you're a New York baseball fan, and you woke up this morning concerned about the Yankees and the way the Rays stamped on their parade in the Bronx for two out of three, or concerned about the Mets losing the first two of a four-game set against the Braves, both teams came back and responded nicely last night. The Mets won 9-7. to The Yankees won 8-7 to in 10 innings. And both teams now can get ready for their respective series as the Mets will try and finish out the Braves tonight and head to Philadelphia for a weekend set before they go back to New York and play the second installment of the 2022 Subway Series, a mini two-game set at the house that Homer's built, Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, beginning Monday and Tuesday, a series where Scherzer and DeGrom will pitch in those two games and a series that may be more important for the Yankees from a winning perspective than it will be for the Mets. Don't forget, the Mets have the edge because the Mets won the two at Citi Field. So the Mets sort of have the momentum over the Yankees. But I think when you look at this series, it's going to be more about the Yankees needing the two games than the Mets. The Yankees are going to get in the postseason. The Yankees are playing for home field in the ALCS the rest of the way. The Dodgers are going to garner the one seed in the NL. So the Mets are just trying to keep pace to be the two seed for the postseason. So I think the Yankees are going to be much more of a focal point over the next six weeks or so than the Mets are. We've seen a lot from the Mets. We've seen the leadership of Buck Showalter. We've seen the 
great pitching. We have seen DeGrom come back and take command of his fastball and show you his true worth of what it is to be a star-studded pitcher in this league. We've seen the catalyst that Alonzo has been and the fact that he has a real possibility this year to be a legit MVP candidate for the New York Mets and what he's done with the bat. We've seen the magic of Marte. We've seen the impact Lindor has had. We've seen what some of these players who've come up from the minors and what they've been able to instill. Beattie last night with the two-run homer for the Mets in a big game a game they needed to win, a game they needed to bounce back in, a game they needed to have to give them a four-and-a-half game edge in an NL East race that they sort of dominated in the first half. Then they went on a little losing streak. They allowed the Braves to garner some momentum. So that's why tonight's game is key for DeGrom. He needs to go out there and be the Jacob DeGrom that we love and enjoy on a regular basis to send a statement that They're the NL East champs. And you do that tonight by beating the Braves, pushing them five and a half out. And if you push the Braves five and a half out, then the pressure is going to be on them to start focusing more on a wild card than it is going to be on the division. Because I think the Mets right now comfortably pretty much have the NL East in their grips. And as of today... August 18th, your wild card positioning in the National League. Right now, it would be Atlanta with the first spot, Philadelphia with the second spot, and San Diego with the third. So the only one that's teetering as a threat is the Brewers as they're two out. San Francisco's five and a half out, but San Francisco doesn't have the mojo they had last year. They're not playing the same way they did last year. Their offense has been a lot more stagnant this year. Their pitching has had some question marks. So the Giants really aren't in position right now to make a deep run to October baseball. I think Atlanta will be able to hold ground, and I think Philly will be able to hold ground for the first and second spot. So right now, that race will really be between San Diego and Milwaukee. The American League is even more interesting because you have Seattle, the Mariners, with the first spot in the wild card. You have Tampa Bay right now with the second. They're 62-54, and and you have Toronto at 62-54, and and then you have Minnesota at 61-55, and one game back. Then you have the great storyline of the Baltimore Orioles at 61-56, and a team that wasn't expected to win more than 50-something games this year, a team that has bought into Brandon Hyde, a team that has gone out there and really utilized a lot of their young talent in the latter part of this season to make a statement that they could be a Cinderella special as they try to get a wild card spot. And the Orioles are fun to watch. They have really good pitching. They have a lot of young talent. They have some good core hitters that are young. The Orioles are definitely going to be a franchise that are definitely going to be having some much more winning success over the next few seasons as we're starting to see the rebuild work that they've positioned themselves with over the last few years. The White Sox are two out at 61 and 57. You can never go against Tony La Russa. Their pitching's been a little suspect this year. 
But I got to tell you, they're battling in the AL Central. They're battling for a wild card. I think some way, somehow, the White Sox are going to find a way to get into the postseason, and they have two different options of doing that with a wild card or division, and Boston is four back. And as good of a storyline as Boston's been, and they've been playing better, and they've been doing better for Alex Cora, they're four back of a wild card. I don't think there's going to be enough there when all is said and done for them to be able to counterpunch the White Sox, the Orioles, or the Twins to try and get that third spot in a wild card. And these games for Toronto now are going to be very significant because the Toronto Blue Jays need to win this series against the Yankees to continue their positioning towards postseason play. Because when you have the White Sox and Orioles creeping up on you like that, the pressure is going to be on to win a majority of your games over the next six weeks to keep an eye on the postseason. So that's where we sit with baseball. We're going to take a quick break. When I come back, we'll get a little bit into the NFL preseason Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And welcome back to the Sports Buzz pre-debut episode 17 coming your way with Kevin Wolf. Thank you all for tuning in. Preseason is not my cup of tea. It's really about going out there and giving a lot of the backup scrubs an opportunity to prove themselves, to try and make the roster for the start of the NFL season. The Wink Martindale defensive blitzing has become an issue already as the Giants had some key moments against the Patriots that really pissed off Bill Belichick where he was annoyed that Wink Martindale, the new defensive coordinator, a guy whose Belichick has faced many times when Wink was the defensive coordinator for... uh, the Ravens, and you know, Wink went out there, the defense blitzed the Pats off offense 15 times in the preseason game, and it really ticked off Bill Belichick, so listen, I mean, these guys are going to go out there and throw everything at you, including the kitchen sink in preseason, they're getting their playbooks adapted, they're they're getting their schemes adapted in all phases, whether it's special teams, whether it's offense, whether it's defense. They're trying to show you different things that these guys can do on a daily basis. And I think for the Giants right now, the main focal point is who's going to be your starting quarterback? Is it going to be Tyrod Taylor or is it going to be Daniel Jones? Daniel Jones hasn't proved he's worthy of being the starting quarterback. Tyrod Taylor has that experience as being a starting quarterback, but will either option really be a great option for Dable with what he's trying to bring to the forefront here as the new head coach? And I can't continue to go on about Dable not being the right fit for this team. He's the head coach. I have to accept that. I'm really more concerned about the offensive side of the football for the Giants than I am about the defensive side. Because Wink Martindale was a good choice to be defensive coordinator. He's a heavy blitz coordinator. 
He's going to throw a lot of different blitz packages at you through a full four quarters and 60-minute game on the field, and a lot of the opposing teams know that. The only difference is he did a lot of that in the AFC. He now moves to the NFC, and he moves to an NFC East division where the focal point and team that is going to be centered around this season is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. The pressure on Mike McCarthy. Dak Prescott being the guy to really seal the deal and lead this team to postseason football. Garner the momentum in the big year you had last year and bring that to the forefront this season. If it wasn't for penalties in that pathetic performance against the Niners in that wild card game, I truly believe Dallas would have moved on. They had the game in their grip through three quarters. They allowed the 49ers to play good football in the fourth quarter, and they allowed dumb, stupid penalties to hinder their performance on the field. And that's what kept Dallas from advancing in a postseason. And that falls on the fundamentals and the preparedness of a team. And that falls on the head coach to instill the right system to avoid those issues. And that's why the pressure is going to be on Mike McCarthy this year to really get the job done for Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is not going to tolerate a lot more. His team has not been in the big game for a very long time. The Cowboys have been a big name in the sport for decades now. And every time you think they're going to go out and have a good year, When all is said and done, they're bounced out early in a postseason round and postseason game. And they brought Mike McCarthy in because they liked the veteran leadership he had when he coached Brett Favre and then coached Aaron Rodgers and saw the success with Rodgers when Favre moved on from the Packers. They felt he could bring that success to Dallas. And you saw Dak Prescott instill more of that system in the Cowboys' offense last year. But for Dallas, 10-6 and six isn't going to cut it. 11-5 and five isn't going to cut it. The only thing that's going to cut it is dominating the NFC East. They need to dominate the NFC East and make a deep run for this team to be anywhere near a chance At getting to the big game, they need to dominate the NFC East this season. And it starts with fundamentals because no one thing, the owner who's involved in every decision that this franchise makes on a daily basis has a guy waiting in the wings to put the Bose headset on and get this team back to being NFL's elite. And that guy is Sean Payton. Sean left the Saints because of their cap issue and because he had nothing to work with in New Orleans to know that there was going to be any chance of ultimately making a deep run in the NFL this year in the NFC South. So he decided to sit back, take a year off, observe what's going on, in the league and waiting for the phone to ring from Jerry Jones to get the cowboy job. You know what's going through Mike McCarthy's head. 
it is going to be a pressure-filled year for the Dallas Cowboys. And in my opinion, they are going to be one of the main storylines out of the NFC. Because I think the NFC is weaker than the AFC. I think the AFC definitely will have more competitiveness throughout the year. And I think the AFC will have many teams that you can hone in on on a regular basis. The NFC, I don't think, has that. There's only maybe two or three teams that I think out of the NFC you're going to be intrigued with. And we know the NFC East is a very tough competitive division. But adding Carson Wentz to the Commanders football team makes the Washington Commanders a force in the NFC East. Eagles are rebuilding. Jalen Hurst is entering his second year as quarterback. They didn't deserve to be in that wild card game against Tampa Bay last year. You saw their weaknesses. You saw their inexperience. You saw their ineffectiveness of making big plays downfield in that wild card game. Those are things that they need to work on this year. But I still think year two is a rebuilding year for the Eagles with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. The commanders can be a little bit better. The Giants, listen, I want to come to the microphone and tell you that I'm excited for what this team is going to bring to the forefront, but it's been a brutal, brutal, brutal decade for this team. Since Tom Coughlin left, and then when Eli Manning left, this team became a laughingstock in the NFL. McAdoo was worthless. Shermer had no answers. Joe Judge was a clown at best and an awful hire for a team that was trying to position itself and put itself back on the map as a New York elite. There's a lot of question marks surrounding this giant team, and I feel more confident about the defense than I do about the offense. And I don't know if the inexperience of Brian Dable, we've been down this road, we were down this road with Judge and his inexperience and thinking that a special teams coach from the New England Patriots and a good word from Bill Belichick was going to be the instant winning success you needed to put a good winning product on the field on a weekly basis. That proved to be dismal at best with this team but I also don't know if Bill's mafia in Buffalo when Dable worked with Allen who has become a supreme elite quarterback in the league and a fascinating watch week in and week out with his athletic ability with his throwing arm, with the big playmakers he has on offense, with the great ground game, with the system that Sean McDermott has put in place. It's one thing to be an offensive coordinator and work with the quarterback to succeed in ways that you want to see him succeed so you can reach that final game. And the Bills were inches away from a Super Bowl appearance 
last year, but it's another thing to come to a team in New York, a team that hasn't had success for years on end now and hasn't had a winning culture for an extremely long time and expect a guy who had all the pieces in place with the big star quarterback and Allen to bring his vision and his plan to a younger Giants team and expect it to all fall into place and work out the way it did in Buffalo. I just don't feel confident that this is going to be the marriage that the Giants think it's going to be. You could feel a little bit more optimistic with Tyrod Taylor than you can with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones should have never been a New York Giant and been taken as the sixth pick in the first round from Duke when Gettleman decided to go out and sell the Giant fans a bill of goods that he was going to be the next Eli Manning, that he was going to be the captain of the ship that was going to bring the Giants so much winning success. I've said it in previous podcast episodes, and I'll say it again. Daniel Jones has regressed. He hasn't progressed. And that is a big issue as he enters year four at the helm as the starting quarterback for this team. And you're hearing that he's not getting as many snaps in training camp, that they're utilizing Tyrod Taylor a little more, that maybe Tyrod Taylor could become the starter at some point in this 2022 season. Daniel Jones is going to get the week one start. Will he get past week one? That's yet to be determined. But I could tell you one thing. Me being the diehard Giant fan that I am, my optimism right now for this team is very low as we approach the 2022 season. They have a hard schedule. There's a lot of unknowns. And there's a lot I need to see on the field to tell me that they're ready to contend again this year in the NFC East. All right, folks, they beat the Patriots 23-21 in a preseason game. What, you want me to go have a parade down Wall Street here in Manhattan because they beat the Patriots 23-21? It's a preseason game. 90% of the country could care less that the Giants beat New England 23-21 in a meaningless preseason game that doesn't mean anything. It's backup guys trying to make a name for themselves and get on a team and hope that they can help the team win throughout an 18-week, 17-game season. So my optimism for the Giants is lower than I would like it to be, but maybe as I start seeing this team position themselves to contend again, maybe I can come on future podcasts and tell you I'm positive. Maybe I can tell you that I'm optimistic. But right now, I got to see it all play out before I can be overjoyed for the Giants in 2022. And for the Jets, we saw some strides in the middle of last season to tell you that they were starting to buy into Salah. They were starting to play as a team. The defense was starting to shore itself up a little bit. The offense was starting to click a little bit. You had Wilson, then you had White, then you had Wilson again. You had the quarterback controversy play out a little bit last year 
I know Wilson got hurt against the Eagles in their first preseason game. They do feel, though, that it's a minor injury, which is what we've heard from the Jets' medical staff, and that some orthoscopic surgery should get him ready for the beginning of this season. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, Jet fans panicking on Twitter and social media before they know the results of the injury is a little too much for a sports junkie to handle as far as I'm concerned. And listen, I know the Jet fan wants to win in the worst way. The Jet fan has been so, so down with this franchise for so long. I mean, when is the last time the Jet fan has had an ounce of success? I think you were more relieved to be a Jet fan during the Parcells era than you were during the two AFC Championship appearances that Rex Ryan took them to. But I think the Jets can make some noise. The tough thing is the Jets are in the AFC that last year was dominated by the Bills, saw the Patriots make some strides with Mac Jones as a first-year quarterback, And when you have New England and Buffalo in your division, it's very hard to go out there week in and week out trying to eye the playoffs when you have two teams that have dominated you for decades staring you in the face, and you have to play them twice. And it's easy to go out there and tell you that New England isn't the team they are when number 12 and Tom Brady was the quarterback. We get that. But you still have Belichick the best coach to ever coach the game with the Bose headset on on that sideline. And there were games last year where Mac Jones looked unbelievably polished. He looked great in some of his football games last year. And if he can continue that momentum this year, then the Patriots will gear themselves for another postseason run, and that'll make the AFC task For the Jets, a lot harder with the Bills and Patriots ahead of them trying to vie for postseason positioning. There's something telling me that the Jets may be a little bit better than the Giants this year. Maybe the Jets can be 5-12, 6-11, or 7-10 this year. I can see those three different scenarios play out for the Jets. But for the Giants, I think you'll be lucky if they win five games this year. And that's going to be tough to stomach for a Giant fan that is eager to get some wins in an NFC East that has been a weak division with a team that will become a focal point with the blue star on the helmet as being an NFC elite in the Cowboys. It's going to be easier for the Giants to try and win a division than it is for the Jets, but I think the Jets have more there to get them more wins than the New York Giants do. There's a little bit more stability right now with the Jets than there is with the Giants, and that's the biggest, biggest comparison I can make as we zone in on the start of a 2022 NFL season. SportsBuzzShow1 at gmail.com, SportsBuzzShow1 at gmail.com. Any thoughts, feelings, opinions you have about the podcast, about what we're chatting about, anything happening in the world of sports, 
feel free to send me an email. I will respond to you as quickly as I can. We're going to look to enhance this podcast now that the NFL season is beginning. We're going to start having our weekly NFL picks. I may have a special guest join me on a weekly basis. Someone who worked with me well back in the 07 to 2010 era when I was on air doing what I do best, chatting about sports. And I may have a few key interviews lined up and guests appear on the podcast in the coming week. So we have some exciting stuff happening here with the sports buzz. And you have one job. You have to spread the word. You have to tell everybody about the podcast. And you have to go out there and continue to listen to hard-hitting, thought-provoking sports talk, passionate sports talk, For the hardcore fan, because we try to offer you something that you won't get on commercial radio, that you won't get on satellite radio, and we try to bring it to the digital space every chance we can on a daily basis. We're going to step aside for a break. We'll come back and we'll chat more about what's happening in the world of sports. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Sports Buzz with Kevin Wolf. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters And welcome back to episode number 17 of the Sports Buzz as we continue to talk with you about what's happening in the world of sports. I'm Kevin Wolf, your daily host of this podcast. You can email me at sportsbuzzshow, the number one at gmail.com. That's sportsbuzzshow, the number one at gmail.com. Whether it's anything about this podcast, any questions you have, anything about what's happening in the world of sports, No matter what you want to talk about, I'm here for you, and I will accept all emails that come my way. So, the Brooklyn Nets have been a significant storyline so far in this NBA offseason as we've seen the liability that Kevin Durant could be to a team, and we know that Kevin Durant is a great athlete. We know that Kevin Durant's athleticism can be key to an NBA team's success on the hardwood. Listen, I get that when we look at Kevin Durant's career, I get he's got the two titles with Golden State, one in 2017, one in 18. I get he's got two finals rings. I understand all of that. He's also got a few most valuable player awards. But when you come to a Brooklyn Nets team and you're signed to put this team front and center and on the map, in a city that has been dominated by the Knicks for year in and year out, and you don't do an ounce of squat while you're employed with the Brooklyn Nets, and then you sign a four-year deal, and you turn around and go to the owner, Joe Sow, and you say that you want Sean Marks, the GM, fired, and you also want Steve Nash gone? Please. Please. If you were somebody like LeBron who put the team on your back every single game, who's won big games in the clutch, who's been a leader that has 
been able to mentor players, who's been a guy that's been able to prove that he's worthy of the recognition he garners every time we speak about him, then I could sit there, KD, and maybe give you a little bit of a pass on this situation. But the idea that you've come to Brooklyn and have done an ounce of nothing since you joined the Nets and you turn around, you demand a trade, and then you go back and say, wait a minute, I'll play for the Brooklyn Nets, but you got to get rid of the general manager, Sean Marks, and you got to show the exit door to Steve Nash? Who the hell do you think you are? Who are you, Kevin Durant? All right, you're an NBA player. Okay, you're probably in the top 12 of one of the best NBA players right now in the league. I get all of that. Okay, you've won two finals. Okay, you have a few MVPs. Okay, you put Oklahoma City and the Thunder on the map when you were part of that team. I get all of that, but this ain't about that. This ain't about Golden State. This is about Brooklyn. What have you done for the Brooklyn Nets? And last I looked, it has been an ounce of nothing. Last I looked, it has been squat, zero, zilch, nada. So how dare you? How dare you? have the gall to go to the owner and stipulate that you will only join forces with the Nets or stay on the Brooklyn Nets if they get rid of the GM and head coach. Who the hell do you think you are? And you want the Nets fans to buy the tickets? You want the Nets fans to go out there and cheer for you when you're on the hardwood? You want the Nets fans to go out there and go crazy because you can shoot a few threes in a big game? Because you're a sharpshooter? Because you got a good jump shot? You want us to make a big deal about that? You haven't done an ounce of nothing since you've been a Brooklyn Net. You've put on the jersey. You collapsed in the playoffs in the first round against the Celtics. You didn't put the team on your back, and you allowed your good friend Kyrie Irving to act however he wanted to and become a major distraction for this team. A team that was supposed to get to an NBA Finals. A team that had all the pieces in place to win now. And unfortunately, the only thing the Brooklyn Nets became when all was said and done was a laughingstock in the NBA. And they became a team that underachieved drastically. And part of that was the lack of leadership. Part of that was the fact that Steve Nash was in over his head. He couldn't tame Kyrie Irving. He's not a great head coach. I said that from day one. But who the hell are you to voice an opinion of that matter? Go out there and win a championship for the Brooklyn Nets. Prove your worth. Prove that you're worth all the money that you're currently getting. Show me something, will you? Because last I looked, the only thing you've done as a Brooklyn Net is fan the flames for your good friend Kyrie. And what a shame that a top-tier player of your magnitude hasn't contributed an ounce in the city of New York and the metro area. Look in the mirror, my friend, because you know what? All of you NBA players who want to go out there and control situations and have a say and make millions and millions of dollars, look at your stats, be a leader on the court, 
show some leadership, show some mentorship, show a good work ethic, and go out there and do your job. So all you sports junkies out there that want to wear the Kevin Durant jersey, that want to buy the tickets, that want to debate left and right what his stature is in the NBA, I don't want to hear it. This really, 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 really outraged me as a sports fan, as a podcast host, and as somebody who enjoys what the sports scene has to offer on a daily basis. And the idea, the idea that these NBA players want to go out there, want to cause friction, want to get their names in the back pages of the newspapers, want to be front and center when the drama hits the fan, the idea that they need all of this attention when there's a lot of other serious things to consume our daily lives with is a little tough to take as a sports fan. It's a little much. It's a little much. That's why I'm not buying the tickets. I'm not showing up at the venues. I'm not watching the event live. I have no interest whatsoever in going to the Barclays Center and watching a Brooklyn Nets team that has underachieved when they got all the pieces in place to win now. And for all you NBA fans that want to debate how bad the Knicks are compared to the Nets, I get that. But the one thing I can tell you, the Knicks own the city of New York. The Knicks own the metro area. The Knicks will always have a higher standard than the Brooklyn Nets in this city. And like it or not, that's a fact. The Nets should have never left New Jersey. When they left New Jersey, and I said this back in the day, and I said this back on a few podcasts, when the Nets left New Jersey, the team has never been the same. The franchise has never had the stability it once had. And I know we had years past with Jason Kidd and his issues at the time with Byron Scott and Lawrence Frank and some friction with Stefan Marbury back in the day and all of that. But when the Nets played in the Meadowlands in East Rutherford, New Jersey, the fans were much more in to the NBA franchise back then than they are now. The Knicks are New York. They will always be New York. And if you want to go out there and prove that you're worthy of New York recognition, if you want to go out there and prove that you're worthy of winning a title in this New York metro area, then show your worth. Show your worth. Put your feelings aside. Put your opinions aside. And go out there and do what's best for your team. And that's win. And win now. And tell your good friend Kyrie Irving to not let the door hit him on the way out. That's what I would tell him. You make millions and millions of dollars a year. Millions and millions of dollars a year. And you can't shut your mouth and play the game and do what's best for your team. You should be ashamed of yourself. And any sports player that has this mentality that KD has should be ashamed of themselves. And if it was an NFL player, I'd be ripping on them. If it was an NHL player, I'd be ripping on them. If this was a baseball player, I'd be ripping on them. But grow up. Please, grow up. You're not five. 
You're not 10. You're in your 30s. You're a star athlete. You're a premier player in a professional league. Show some guts. Show some gumption. And for all you NBA fans that want to go out there and buy the jerseys and wear the KD name on your back and say how much you're in love with the Brooklyn Nets and you have a love affair with this team, remember this situation and remember him coming to the Brooklyn Nets and not providing an ounce of anything as an athlete on the hardwood day in and day out since he's been employed by this team. Remember that when you buy the tickets, when you buy the hot dog, when you buy the $12, $13 beer at Barclay Center. He's no Michael Jordan. He's no LeBron James. He's no, sad to say, deceased Kobe Bryant. He's no Shaquille O'Neal. He's no Carl Malone, John Stockton, Jeff Hornacek. Heck, he may not even be Charles Barkley. He's definitely no Bill Russell, that great Celtic, 11 titles. Bill Russell was an elite. Bill Russell was a Hall of Famer. Bill Russell was a green Celtic. Bill Russell was a fan favorite. You didn't have to be a Celtics fan to admire Bill Russell. The entire NBA league, the entire NBA fan base admired Bill Russell. You go out and do what Russell's done on any given day and then put yourself on the map. 6'9", Bill Russell against a 7'2", Wilt Chamberlain. Those are some of the best matchups we've ever garnered and watched in the NBA. You can't come close to some of that competition back then. But don't forget, you're Kevin Durant. You make a ton of money. You could say what you want. You can feel how you want. You can act how you want. Doesn't work that way, my friend. Prove that you're worth the recognition. And like I said earlier, I understand you got two titles. But those titles, to me, don't mean squat. They don't mean nothing. You came to Brooklyn to win. You had all the pieces in play. You made sure your friend Kyrie Irvin joined the team. And when he became a poisonous distraction, you said nothing. And your first year here, you did nothing but sit out on the bench, taking up space. When he met with the owner, Joe Sow, I would have turned around, looked at him, showed him the door, and slammed it in his face. That's what I would have did. Kevin Durant, give me a break. Give me a break. Back after this. As a family member or friend, you may be the first to notice when a veteran you love has been going through changes. Things like withdrawing, drinking more, or increased anger could be a sign of a larger health concern. But help is available. Listen to hundreds of inspiring stories at maketheconnection.net and learn how you can support the veterans in your life. Treatment works. Recovery is possible. And we're back on the Sports Buzz Passionate Sports Talk for the hardcore fan, thought-provoking, hard-hitting sports chatter you won't find anywhere else. Yours truly, Kevin Wolf. Thank you for listening in. Please spread the word about the sports buzz. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your colleagues, tell your coworkers, tell anybody and everybody that the sports buzz is your daily digital destination 
for quality sports talk you won't find anywhere else as we continue to grow the platform. We're now on Apple Podcast. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcast. And we are trying to grow the sports buzz into your daily destination for sports talk that you won't find anywhere else. We're going to be giving you our daily NFL pick soon. When we get into week one of the NFL season, we may have a few big interviews lined up along the way, and I may even have a special co-host from back in the day join me to give his feelings on what's happening in the world of sports as I try to recreate what I did on FM Radio in 07 and bring that to the digital forefront here on social media and your daily podcast called The Sports Buzz with yours truly, Kevin Wolf. SportsBuzzShow1 at gmail.com. SportsBuzzShow, the number one at gmail.com. That is where you can email me, reach out, share your feelings and thoughts about the podcast or anything else that may be on your mind as... We inch ever closer to the baseball season winding down. We get ready for October baseball. We get ready for the fall to begin here on the East Coast. We get ready for the NFL football season to begin. We're slowly getting close to the college football season beginning. And we are getting into a busy time now where the sports world starts to ramp up again. And we'll have a lot to come to the microphone with on a daily basis as we try to give you the best compelling content we can. And I thank you all for listening and I thank you all for supporting me daily. Now before I put a bow on this podcast and end this particular episode... Breaking news coming off of the wire just a few minutes ago is that we can finally, as sports junkies, put this to Sean Watson debacle with the NFL, the Cleveland Browns, and the 24 women who alleged him of sexual misconduct to rest as the NFL, after the disciplinary officer last week decided to suspend Watson for six games, the NFL comes back against that disciplinary officer and gets an 11-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. So for the 2022 season, the first 11 games Deshaun Watson will not appear in, and you will see the likes of Jacoby Brissett take to the field and try and lead the Browns to winning success. Now, this is going to be a distraction for the Cleveland Browns. It's better that it happened now prior to the start of the season than happening in week one or week two and having to change your whole play-calling ability if you're Kevin Stefanski, the head coach. Now, the Browns lost Baker Mayfield. He was traded to the Panthers. Baker Mayfield had some experience. He took the Browns to two postseason appearances. Baker Mayfield, I felt, was always a quarterback that if you had the right pieces in place, he could have success. He could throw the ball downfield. He could have that arm strength and ability that can make him a viable quarterback in the league. But Baker now will take his talents to Carolina, and the Browns were hell-bent on signing Deshaun Watson 
making Deshaun Watson the main focal point for an offense that hasn't been one of the more better offenses in the league over the last several years, a la Baker Mayfield was a good quarterback, but the offense really wasn't that big play juggernaut that you would want them to be on a daily basis to get them viable postseason success. So Deshaun Watson becomes a distraction by signing with the Cleveland Browns with these 24 sexual misconduct allegations against them. And we were constantly saying that the NFL had to do something. The women came out and told you how they were annoyed with the disciplinary officer, the independent officer that issued the six-game suspension. So the NFL comes out and says, you know what? We'll give you five more games. So 65% of the season that the Browns play will be manned by backup quarterback Jacoby Brissett. So that's going to cause some distraction within the organization. Because if the Browns are playing and they have a shot at getting to the postseason or if the Browns need some key wins late and you have your quarterback who you've just paid a ton of money to to be the key figure to get this offense on track, he's not going to come in until week 12 and he's going to have six games to try and steer you in the right direction. That's a tough task to ask of someone, especially Deshaun Watson. Really, if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I would name Jacoby Brissett the starter. I would have him be my main quarterback this year, sit Watson out a year, and focus on 2023 with him being your quarterback. That's what I would do. Now, I know people are going to say, yeah, but, you know, he makes a ton of money. The Browns brought him in. They're paying him a ton of money. He's got to suit up and play. Well, let me ask you all something out there. If you're a Browns fan and you're 7-4, and 11 games in, do you think it's a good idea to ruin the rhythm that Brissett has had running this offense the first 11 weeks to turn around and tell Watson, okay, you could come in in week 12, we're 7-4, and four, and we hope you can win the rest of our games to get us into a postseason. After he's been a distraction for this team since he signed a contract with them, sexual misconduct against 24 women. An independent disciplinary officer gives him six games. The NFL now gives him 11 games. And that's supposed to be justifiable to the 24 women that were harmed, to the 24 women that he attacked, to the 24 women that he caused problems with. They should have suspended him for a year without pay, sent a message to every other team in the National Football League that this is unacceptable, that this is reprehensible, that we don't accept this kind of behavior and moved on with Jacoby Brissett for the 2022 season. Instead, they suspend him 11 games, they allow him to come back in week 12, and they allow him to suit up, put the helmet on, and go out on the field 
and try to lead this team to victory knowing he used inappropriate behavior against 24 women that sued him for sexual misconduct. Now, if that doesn't have a bad storyline ending to a bad season, I don't know what will. But in my opinion, this hurts the Browns badly for the 2022 season. Now, I know you could say, yeah, but if Deshaun Watson went out and hurt his ankle and said he was out for 10 weeks, you would be okay with that then when he would come back and play from an injury. You don't know what Watson is going to be able to do when he comes back in week 12 if he hasn't played for the 11 weeks leading up to his game back. Why are you going to go and hurt an offensive system now that will be game-planned around what Jacoby Brissett can do as the leading quarterback for this team? Why would you hurt that 65% through your NFL season to allow Deshaun Watson to come back in week 12 and be your quarterback. From my perspective, sit him out the entire year, send a message to the league, take some action and say, we're better than this. Let him start in 2023 on a fresh slate. Put this whole troublesome scenario behind you Avoid the big distraction that this has been already and the more it's going to cause with the suspension for 11 weeks and him returning in week 12 and get ready to play some winning football. If I'm the Cleveland Browns, that's what I'm thinking. That's the message I'm sending. That's the type of attitude I'm instilling on this team. It's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. And if Jacoby Brissett comes in here, and does well, and ends up being the quarterback that we all envision him being, don't forget, he was a backup for Belichick for some time. That means something in the league. I think Jacoby Brissett, if given the starting reins as quarterback for the 2022 season, should finish out the 2022 season as the Cleveland Browns quarterback. So we finally put this to rest. The league came down 15 minutes ago and announced that Deshaun Watson will not be suspended for six games. He will be suspended for 11 games. And he's also hit with a hefty fine after working out a deal. The settlement also calls for Watson to comply with a professional treatment plan, Goodell announced. Deshaun is committed to doing the hard work on himself that is necessary for his return to the NFL, Goodell said. The settlement requires compliance with a professional evaluation and treatment plan, a significant fine, and a more substantial suspension. So the NFL sent the message by him agreeing to an 11-game suspension, a $5 million fine, and this treatment plan that he's going to go on for the first 11 weeks of the season. But in week 12, he's allowed to come back, suit up, put the helmet on, and lead the Browns to victory. I don't agree with that stance. Sit him out for the year, send a message, make Jacoby Brissett your starting quarterback, and move on with your 2022 season. Enjoy the last two weeks of this summer. Enjoy the baseball season winding down. 
become eager for the 2022 NFL season and become excited for the sports buzz and what's to come down the road. Sports buzz show the number one at gmail.com. Sports buzz show the number one at gmail.com. Thought provoking, hard hitting sports talk you can't find anywhere else. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto. And I thank you all again for listening. And I will go back to playing an outro song that I played back when I was on the air on 91.9 WNTI-FM. And I will give you a little bit of Queen. We started off with We Will Rock You, and we will end this Sports Buzz podcast pre-debut episode number 17 with We Are the Champions. And as always, adios until next time. Time after time I've done my sentence But committed no crime And bad mistakes I've made a few I've had my shells and kicked in my face Consider it.